Welcome, all you business geeks, to the Business Geeks Podcast, an entrepreneurial show where three friends geek out loud and proud on everybody's business. I'm Super Joe Pardo of superjoepardo.com and indiepodcasters.com. I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Jennifer Crawford, the co-founder of Sparing.co, and Samantha Riley of SamanthaRiley.global. Today, we have a topic all about getting over and working your way through the maze, I call it a maze, of imposter syndrome. The topic today was brought up by Sam, who thought that it would be a great topic and brought a great video that I'll be playing bits and clips from throughout the whole episode here in silent, of course. So if you want to watch it, go look it up. It's got 369,000 views, so uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find. But yeah, so Sam, imposter syndrome. Help, help, help me break topic. it down a little Huge bit here. topic, isn't it? I actually wrote a blog post on this a couple of weeks ago because I've come across, and I come across daily, people that I definitely put in the expert category, like people that are so, so smart and so amazing at what they do were feeling like they were newbies. And a lot of times these people were new in business but not in their expertise and they were getting the two confused and saying, oh, I'm new, I can't charge, even though maybe they've been like, you know, delivering their services for 20, 30, sometimes even 40 years. So I wrote a post about that, that you're not a newbie, you're just a newbie in business and that, of course, you have to learn new skills but like as business owner, aren't we learning new skills every day? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, did you know that imposter syndrome was created in the 1970s by psychologists Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, who described it as a feeling of phoniness in people who believe that they are not intelligent, capable, or creative, despite evidence of high achievement. And in fact, imposter syndrome is prevalent in high achievers. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a bit of a iron, ironic situation there. So I think the important, important thing is that everybody feels it. Absolutely. And I think that the reason that high achievers feel it more, have you guys heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, for those that don't know, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias where people believe they're smarter than they really are. So these are generally, you know, low ability people who don't have the skills to recognize their own incompetence. I call these people the people that are sitting on the peak of Mount Stupid and they have no idea what there is to know. (laughs) So, you know, for those of us that have got to the point where we feel like we don't know enough because we know how much more there is to know. And I think that's why we have this imposter syndrome because we think, but we don't know enough. And that's when I found this TED talk by Mike Cannon Brooks. And it just listening to him blew my mind, blew my mind. It's so great because he is somebody who has achieved so much in business. I mean, he's a multi-billionaire. He is success personified, yet he was feeling like a fraud, like an imposter, a phony, despite having 
accomplished so much. He he talks about like getting an award, like a entrepreneurial. He was the Entrepreneur of the Year award. Yes. So huge. He wasn't. He was nominated, but even though he was nominated, he's like, I'm not prep. You know, preparing a speech. This is like. I see who I'm up against. It's not going to us. And then he won. And then he's like, I don't feel like I deserve this. <laughs> like, I don't belong in this room <laughs> with these people. And he absolutely did. So I love that he talks so openly and honestly about it because I think it's when we feel it personally and we haven't even, you know, like me personally, I haven't, I don't have a, you know, $15 billion company. So it makes me feel better to know that somebody who does also feels that like it's just a thing like that we need to sort of recognize acknowledge and move forward i ultimately think it's actually a good thing in the sense that it could be an advantage if when you recognize it you realize you're out of your comfort zone and you're in that area of growth right where you're you're pushing yourself you're outside of of your normal realm of comfort so that's where all that magic happens so it's actually a good thing if you're feeling this as long as it doesn't you know as he points out as long as it doesn't paralyze you absolutely and i think that that was the best part of this ted talk is that at the end he's saying that we all have imposter syndrome. Anyone that's that's reaching some sort of level of success, we all feel it. And, you know, when he, he talked about after he won the New South Wales Entrepreneur of the Year and then he won the Australian and then he was in, I think, um, oh, Monaco or so, somewhere cool overseas and, you know, was up against all the other winners from the world and he was chatting with, with someone that, you know, had 300,000 employees. He was saying at the time he had 70. And... He was talking with this guy saying, I don't belong here. I think someone's going to come along with a clipboard and tell me to leave soon. And it was just so cool that this person's going, no, I bet every single person in this room feels the same way. And that was like a really super helpful moment for even me to hear to think, oh, wow, like people that are playing at this level, they still feel that too. And then when he brings it back to exactly as you said, Jen, don't let it freeze you or you know immobilize you but instead use it as a learning experience to go okay well maybe I don't know everything so what do I need to learn right now to be able to get through this process and I think that's the first time I'd heard someone articulate it quite like that and I thought that was super Mm. powerful you know I I I think it's really impactful that he wore the clothes that he wore uh yeah um, like not really like shaven or looked like he's had a haircut in a little while And I think that's a really powerful image for people to realize that, you know, we want to personify a certain aspect of ourselves, but like when we get to a certain level, like it doesn't matter anymore, right? Like somebody was talking about cars recently and they were like, well, you know, as a, like as a multi, multi, multi millionaire, like it doesn't matter what car you drive at that point, right? Because you're going to just going to have somebody else drive you anyway. (laughs) So unless you actually care about the car, like that's a thing for you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, you could drive the, you know, a 1996 Toyota Corolla. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. But Um, at the other end of the spectrum, people would just, you know, judge you more for that. I think someone brought it up in last week's show that someone that was a coach for millionaires drove a car that wasn't that great. And I think that that can be very, like people can judge that and say, you're not successful because we're at the other end of the scale. I mean, Mike Cannon-Brooks, his net worth is $12 billion. Exactly what you said, Joe. It doesn't matter what he drives. No one's going to care. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I and I think um and I didn't get to watch the whole video uh leading up to this unfortunately, but you were saying that he only his employee he has 70 employees. At the time, at, at the, the time? time that that he won his first award, he's he's got more now and I know over the pandemic he's gone the government has given him a huge grant and they've got huge plans in Sydney to open up a new hub for startups that's going to just like employ so many people. Oh, he's just an amazing guy. So amazing. So I did mention that imposter syndrome could be an advantage, but there are also signs of imposter syndrome. um, And I see these all the time. I felt these at times uh, that can actually be detrimental to your business. So one sign of imposter syndrome that I think I come across more frequently is keeping your prices low for your products and services. Oh, yes. You're going there. Going, yes. going too long without increasing them again, because you haven't felt like you earned that pricing. Like you have that self-doubt. You feel like you, I don't know, you don't deserve it. So I think that's something that you know, is so damaging to your business mm-hmm. and something we really need to get past. Not going for opportunities because you feel like you're not experienced enough. Mm-hmm. Bad, 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 yep. bad, well, right? Well, hang on I mean, a minute. I, I've oh, actually God. caught myself there. Have oh, you guys? Yeah. It is bad, but I've been yeah. there. Yeah. I'm relating to these because I have been guilty of all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't mind admitting it because it's, it's a process. I mean, you know, I mean, some days you wake up and you feel like you could just take a tiger by the tail. And other days you're like, <laughs> I'm a loser. I'm sorry. What am I doing? Um, and, but, and, and there's also these thoughts that go through your head. I think these are like, okay, I was successful. I'm acknowledging that. But it was a fluke. I got lucky. I was in the mm-hmm. right place at the right time. I mean, I've been guilty of that. I spent a long time. I never used to talk about uh, my first business that I bootstrapped from $75 to a seven-figure company. I never talked about it for the longest time because the business I had, I started after that was an abject failure. Like it just crashed and burned. And so I felt like, oh, well, I don't really, you know, I'm not going to really talk about this because my first business is probably just dumb luck. I use that term, dumb luck. Um, I was, you know, I was in, timing was good because I didn't have a lot of competition. I don't think that way now. Now I can look, I've gotten beyond that mindset, but I can now I can look back and go, oh, no, you made some really smart business decisions. You made some mistakes and you corrected them and you were able to grow and scale this company. You learned so much. And looking back, it's exactly what led me to experiment because I'm helping other businesses grow and scale by delegating day-to-day operations, which is exactly what I had to do in order to make that business successful. So... So yeah, I totally get it. I totally get being successful and then saying, no, not really. It didn't have anything to do with me. It was a fluke. (laughs) It was like, but the, you know, the the astrology was right that day or something. I don't know. But (laughs) yeah, so we have to be really careful because we can get caught up in that conversation in our head and it's, you know, not serving us in any way, shape or form. Mm, Totally. All right. Well, I, I confess that I like felt like it, you guys like where, where when have you felt like imposters? I don't want to be the only one dangling out here. I always say use the term treadmilling on zero uh, and, and mm. kind of falling into that trap of like not feeling like you're doing enough. So you're always feeling like you're not adequate enough. And mm. a lot of that comes also with like 
following people on social media where it's like, oh man, look at how, all the wins that they're having. It looks like every single day I'm there and just, they got another win, another win, another win, another win. And I'm sitting here like, man, my inbox hasn't had a win and, you know, come through in it <laughs> in a little while here. I need to, I, I'm obviously not doing enough and I'm just, you know, trembling on there. Meanwhile, like I'm paying the bills, like things are happening. Like, you know, it's just not happening in the sense of like me whipping out my phone and writing it about it on social media every five seconds. Cause I don't want, I don't need every piece of my life out there. And I don't want other people to have to feel that way, right? They feel like they're not doing enough or anything to that effect. I was on a call with with a fan of the show, Clay Clay Groves, and uh, he, I was having problems with my computer. And he's like, you know, it makes me feel so good to see that people that see like they got everything together have problems with their computer too. And I'm like, really? I wonder if other people feel that way. <laughs> that way. Let's see. Uh, can I just circle back to you saying that you don't want to share those things on social media, Joe? Because I think that right there is a beautiful case of imposter syndrome. Let me share a story that was similar that mm. happened to me just a couple months back. I was running a weekly, like, sort of meet at Zoom, meet up, you know, when the pandemic started to bring people together to discuss what was happening in their business, you know, what was working, what wasn't, to really support each other. I said to one of the girls, we were sharing, and I mentioned that we'd had a record month. And she went, oh, my goodness, that is so amazing. You should be sharing that. And I said, I don't want to share that because I know there's a lot of businesses in the pandemic that are having a really tough time and I don't want people to feel bad. And she called me up on that and said, but hang on a minute, that's inspiring. That's inspiring for everyone to know that it is possible. So sometimes by not sharing, we're actually not helping the people that need to hear our stories. That's true. And you can't really control, like, somebody's mindset like somebody might hear your story sam and be inspired i would be then somebody else might compare and despair right which is mm -hmm, really easy mm -hmm. to do like you were saying joe you see all these people's very public successes and you can't help but compare them to your own so i think what we can't control is really how people like their mindset and how they're reacting so mm -hmm. yeah i think you know if it feels authentic get out there and and talk about it and you know, people talk about their failures too. I, I do that all the time. Maybe, mm, because, mm. maybe because I have a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also because I think I used to be so afraid of failing. I was like the quintessential perfectionist. Like, you know, and that is paralyzing, like oh, being, being a perfectionist. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until I failed in like a very big public way and I didn't die that I got past it. I just got over it. And, and then I realized with some perspective that, I learned so much from my failures and not that they're fun. I wouldn't say that they're in the fun world, but I'm not as fearful of, of making a mistake or having a failure, big or small, because you have to take these risks as a business owner. You have to make decisions. Like that's the big part of being a business owner is just being able to make decisions and, and, quickly. and quickly. And they're not always going to be the right decisions or the best decisions. Sometimes they're going to result in some failures, but it's all part of it. It's all, you, mm. you can't have wins without losers. You know, it's, it's the yin exactly and the yang right. of business. <laughs> yeah. um, but I didn't realize that in the beginning. So it was all like, I have to do everything perfectly. I have to be da, da, da. So, yeah. That, one of my first coaching businesses was coaching startup business owners. And we used to have a conference four times a year. And this one particular conference, 
I had brought an accountant in to talk about numbers because that is not my strong suit. It is, I just don't really enjoy numbers. You know, I do love to talk about marketing and, you know, positioning and social media and all the fun things, but numbers, like, I do them, but not my zone of genius. So I brought an accountant in. What he was actually a really good friend of mine, and we flew him in, and because we were having the conference in Adelaide. And that night, he, uh, we, well, not just him, we all had a few drinks, and uh, he shared with a few drinks under his collar that when he first heard about me, like years before, he's just like, "Who is this chick, and who the hell does she think she is?" Like coaching startup business owners, like she doesn't know anything. Once we knew each other and, you know, he was in the room, he's like, well, I don't think that anymore. But do you know what? That night I cried for about four hours and I found it really hard to go back in the room the next day because I felt like such a fraud, such a fraud. Wow. Wow. I'm so sorry you felt that. I, I yeah, No one me. made me feel that way. Like that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. That That we put these ridiculous ridiculous barriers on ourselves, or, or try to get to areas that we perceive are real mm. and they're not yeah and uh he made a point in the video that it's completely okay to be out of your depth and i love that he made that point and it reminded me uh so that the business failure that I, I referenced earlier was like an early co-working space and it was for the creative class so for artists and performers musicians and you know, it was really a, a great space. Uh, I loved it. But I had to, all of a sudden, I was in charge of putting together art shows. And I'd never put together an art show before. And here I am surrounded by all these artists who'd been in art shows. And I felt like such an imposter. And my first idea for an art show was something we called baby canvases. And baby canvases was all the artwork was on a two inch by three inch canvas. So a tiny little oh, canvas. Little. And and that was it. It had to be exactly two by three. But I really believed in this idea because I thought I want to make art approachable because so many people don't buy original art because it's not approachable. It's too big. They're worried about where it fits. It's, it's too expensive. They're not sure. Da, da, da. So I'm like, with these little things and they were no more than $50 a piece. This is so easy. You can fit it anywhere. You can fit it in your, you know, in your bathroom. We sold these little, these little easels. But people told me I was crazy and i was really start, i was like getting really upset about it because i mean i had so many people going do not do this this is you're going to be the laughing stock of like everything like you are you don't know what you're doing you've never done an art show you're not an artist but i was stubborn and if nothing i'm stubborn and so we did this art show and it ended up being like the most successful wow. art show and people i mean it was things were flying off the wall the artists made money people loved it we ended up doing it every year it was our most popular show and so it was just i love that moment because I was completely out of my depth. I did not know what I was doing. That is such an awesome story, Jen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so I felt like an imposter, but I, you know, I muscled through. Thank, thank you for the stubbornness that I inherited from my grandfather. But yeah, so I, and I only tell that story because I think we have a million opportunities in our lifetime to be out of mm -hmm. our depth on a daily, hourly basis. And I think sometimes we walk away from those those situations sometimes too soon or too often. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've got some ideas or some of the things to help people through these times of imposter syndrome. And I think that 
Well, the first one was what we spoke of, or what Mike spoke about at the end of that that clip is that we're all going to have these feelings of imposter syndrome and we do have to take them as a learning experience to grow. Um, but I think that it, the second thing that I would say that's so awesome or that needs to be done is to surround yourself with the right people. It's so important. So it's so simple, but I think it's the biggest, the biggest thing. Surround yourself with that's, the right that's, people. I'm, I'm going to challenge on. Isn't that that's not simple? That's not simple at all. It's, uh, it's not. It's not that no. easy. It's and, easy. And, and so tell, tell us you, more. Look, leaving Listening. leaving my family's business, I didn't know anybody that else like outside of that realm of that business that like had started their own businesses, and I knew a couple of people, but I wasn't really close with those people to that uh -huh. level where like I could lean into them day after day after day after day, or like as I'm like just pushing a rock, a boulder up a mountain of starting my own journey. So. No, I would say that it's not that easy and it's not necessarily that comfortable either going in and getting off on that, that whole imposter syndrome when you're first getting started. Because, you know, you, again, you just might not be have been exposed to those people. It's one of the reasons I started my show the way I did was so that I could get to meet all these awesome people like the two of you. Well, that was my next uh, question, know. Joe. Like, share, share with people what you did because they might be going through exactly you know what you mm -hmm. went through how did yeah. how did you surround yourself with the right I people started a podcast and uh, -huh. uh interviewing people that were living their dreams to inspire other people but also mostly to inspire me because i really wasn't sure what exactly i wanted to do where i wanted to end up and how I was going to get there. So um, starting up a podcast about the topic that I felt was really interesting, people doing really incredible things that were way cooler than what I was doing, which was just having great conversations with people that were doing really awesome things at the time and, uh, and building upon that. And so that I had, you know, grew this network of people around the world and have, you know, incredible friendships with people on every, almost every continent except maybe Antarctica. Uh, <laughs> and it, you know, and, and it's just the beginning of that whole journey. Like, uh, you know, so I still feel like I'm still towards the beginning of the journey, even though I'm uh, you know, in year six, cause I spent so much time just building out the network and figuring out a lot of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to go about doing it and laying it out. So, and learning along the way. So, yeah, so it's, it's not necessarily easy out of the gate, but if you put yourself in those positions to like go into those Facebook groups, go into those Reddit subreddits, uh, meet people, start a podcast, start a blog talking about what it is that you want to do, you're going to find those other people. And then, then you can say, oh, yeah, 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 like it's real easy. I have other people I can lean into. They're doing similar things. They get it. You know, when you have all these conversations with people that don't get it, like they're just like, okay, well. Mm. So dinner's going to be at six o'clock and we're having spaghetti tonight. And it's like, but we're building the biggest thing ever. And it's going to be incredible. And you, you just, yeah, you have your spaghetti. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> all, I get, I get it. You don't get it. It's all right. It's not, it's my, it's me. It's all me, not you. <laughs> I love that. I love that you brought that up, Joey, because you did call me out on that because yeah, building a network isn't simple. So thank you. You're you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's one of the advantages right now, I think, is that if you want to expand your network, you don't have geographical limitations anymore. Mm -hmm, like you can pop mm -hmm. into networking groups all over the world, all over the country. And I encourage you to do so. And a lot of them, if you're not comfortable going in like to a, a Zoom with 20 people, then you can, you can find small ones too, which is kind yeah. of cool. Just totally. like Jen. Was it Jen? That was a Jen. 
What? That went to the bathroom while she was on a Zoom call. Oh, that no, was that this gen. gen. <laughs> not this gen. <laughs> not, not this gen. No, no, not no. Ice no. Gen. I just, never this gen. No. That's because I'm on a desktop. I mean, if I was on a laptop, that would totally happen. I would be that girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you gotta go. You gotta go, and then you kind of forget where you are, and ah, one thing leads yeah. to another. Poor Jen. Yeah, totally. You know, everyone's on Zoom now. I, when I very first started my coaching business, I used to get on a plane and go to Sydney four times a year in a high ticket mastermind. It cost a lot of money. I've met some amazing people, a lot of who are still my friends now and are in my inner circle. And funnily enough, I met my accountant there. So I've met some really great people there, but it did, it cost me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Or actually, let me say that in a different way. I think I invested my money wisely. So <laughs> you just witnessed a mindset shift there, people. I hope you were paying attention. Woo, you blinked, you missed it. <laughs> oh, Sam just coached herself. <laughs> that was a self coaching session, and yeah. she owes herself uh, quite a bit of money right now. Exactly. Uh, all right. So, Sam, I'm sorry, you were going through tips on how to conquer imposter syndrome and. I don't want to get too far off the rails because I know like you have another tip for us. I think the last one is to really own your expertise. The more mm -hmm. you write about it, the more you talk about it, the more you put yourself out there just constantly talking about it, the easier it will get and more people will just automatically see you as the expert. So I think that, you know, you really, really have to own what it is that you do well and just go all in. I think that where I see the biggest problem is people sort of just dip their toe in the water and then they, they recoil out of fear rather than just, okay, I'm just jumping in, I'm just doing a belly flop straight in the middle and I'm going to just own that. And I think that that's a really important, a really important piece of the pie. I wanted to mention that sometimes we get really hung up on just the term expert. That's uh -huh. enough to bring us to a screeching halt. Like there is no person out there who, you know, grants you expert status like they would grant uh -huh. like knighthood in England. So um, Tim, Tim Ferriss points out that, well, he, I mean, Tim Ferriss, I mean, I'm assuming this is true because it's coming out of Tim Ferriss's mouth. He says, <laughs> if you read three books on a subject, you'll know more than 95% of people out there. And even if that's half true, you have a leg up on the general public. So really, wow. you just want to have, you want to have more than more knowledge on a subject than your average person. The term expert gets thrown around a lot. It really does. And I'm not telling you to call yourself an expert if you know nothing on a subject, but don't let it stop you. Mm. If, can, if can you do know something. Yes, Joe. Sorry. Can I just yeah. add to that? Yeah. I'm not the biggest Tim Ferriss fan. I, I Neither am I. But there's a lot to say to that because, I mean, even watching like some of the TV shows I'll watch, which is like Shark Tank, Bar Rescue, or The Prophet, it's mm -hmm. incredible that like the Bar Rescue is like seven seasons now. It's incredible that anybody is not watching the show and saying, let me take a good hard look at what I'm doing at my bar. Oh. Maybe I should do this before he comes here and chews me out about it. Let me put you it know, Unless, do it, unless yeah. it's intentional, like, oh, well, if I do it like this, then he'll come and he'll chew me out. It'll be great TV and I'll get a new bar out of it. But like, yeah. for real, like not every situation is going to be that situation. And I think there was a couple situations where he didn't. But my point is, is like, if you just watch like enough of that show, you will learn enough to at least have a basic idea and understanding of how to go about not doing doing it the wrong way at the very least, right? But, so those, but the difference is, is that it's not just about learning. 
those people may have watched all seven seasons, but they haven't been self, you know, introspective and gone, I need to make a decision here. Clearly, otherwise they wouldn't be on the show. And and you have to apply the knowledge at some point. Like Uh you can read books. I mean, you can read books on how to do surgery all day long, but until you actually do the surgery, like that's what counts. You have to apply the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think it's as easy as reading books and becoming an expert, but if you read the books, and then, you know, you watch the shows, whatever, you learn your bar science, and then you go and you open up a bar and you have a really successful bar. And it's because, hey, I paid attention um, and I took notes and I applied and I put in bumper rails so people would accidentally <laughs> bump into each other. And I, I'm taking, you know, I'm, I, I lit up my back bar. Um, yeah. And I took out the pool tables and put in more tables so I'd make 10,000 grand a, uh, a, a, table, a month yeah. on a table. Yep. Um, then it then it makes sense. Like you have to apply your knowledge. You can't just mm-hmm, read a mm-hmm. book and say I'm an expert. I think it's the app for me anyway. This is how I would define an expert: as somebody that's taken a knowledge and applied it successfully. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I would the, agree with that. To flip that on its head, though, you could be an expert at something and still not know the terms. As we were talking before about accounts mm-hmm. payable and accounts receivable, and like you could still be the expert at the thing that is your the central piece of the business, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go coach other business owners on all of the ins and outs. And it also doesn't mean that that part is really that essential because like uh-huh. there's plenty of businesses that operate that don't know any of that stuff and they make enough money to cover the mistakes and they make mm-hmm. enough money to pay somebody else to figure out the, you know, figure out the mistakes and point them in the right direction of the things that they don't understand. So it's not the end of the, you know, it's not the end all be all to like, I got to know business and then, you know, I get my MBA so I can go start a business. Like the MBA has nothing to do with owning a business. It has no. everything to do with being a manager of a, you know, within yes. a construct. And yes, yes, you know, so yes. it's, it's really a waste for a lot of I would put our business experience up against any MBA any day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just bring I say the it. Same thing. Bring yeah. it. Bring it. I'm yeah. gonna do a, a business duel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not MBA. But you might not know, know all the acronyms, right? And then, and that's okay. Yeah. Forget those acronyms. They don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. I can make up acronyms. Yeah, exactly. Ding, yeah. ding. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say that, well, I haven't done an MBA. I wouldn't be comfortable walking into a $10 million company or a $100 million company. Probably 10 would be okay, but a $100 million company and, and doing some of the things that people learn in an MBA. But I don't think they would have got my business to where I am either because it's not just about the knowledge. It's going back to what Jen said. It's about applying and and not just knowing what to apply and what not to apply. It's about having sometimes just the blind, dumb ideas that you have to just sort of go on. Get them out of your head. Yeah. And again, I think it's a successful application because here I am, I read all the books on, you know, how to, how to do a kidney transplant. Um, (laughs) I've, I've gone ahead and I've done a hundred kidney transplants, but I've got zero survivors. Uh All right. Still not an expert on the kidney transplant. Okay. (laughs) So you have to apply the knowledge successfully. You have to, you have to be able to show somebody that you can do the thing successfully. Um, Uh So we, I mean, we talked about contrepreneurs last year. So I mean, there is, last year. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a big week. (laughs) So I had a lot happen this week, (laughs) like a year. But yeah, so there's that, right? There's the, I'm telling you I'm an expert, but I'm not. 
And then there's all these people who have like Sam works with that actually has ex have expertise and they're like, mm, maybe I don't know enough yet. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, maybe I should, I should work with a few more clients first or so. Mm. Yeah. It's well, there's the other, the competitors, the, the Dunner Kruger people. What did you say? The stupid said, mountain when, when they're standing on the peak of Mount stupid. <laughs> the peak of Mount stupid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just can't even. That's so funny. <laughs> All right. The peak, yeah. of, the peak of Mount stupid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I want to know if anybody has felt, I'm sure, first of all, I know you felt imposter syndrome. Uh -huh. I want to know if you're willing to admit it to us. And, and yeah, how, it's been very quiet today, hasn't it? Yeah. It has. Before we got on the air, I had imposter syndrome because we were talking about one cool thing. And I was like, well, I have one cool thing, but I think everybody knows about it. So well, it's not very cool. And Sam and Joe had to tell me, hey, hey, girl. Calm down. Like yep. not everybody's heard cool of thing. it. It's it is a cool thing, and your imposter syndrome is getting the best of this segment. And it was funny because what was the first thing I said before we started record or when I came on? Oh, I was madly taking notes because I said, "Oh, I never have as many notes as Jen does." <laughs> yes, and, I, and and I said, "Sam, you wrote a blog post on the topic. Like nobody is more prepared than you. You have been thinking about this for weeks, and you so, actually worked with clients who are suffering from it." I'm writing notes because I need the crutch of notes to feel like I belong on this podcast. <laughs> so the business geeks were geeking out and having imposter <laughs> syndrome between ourselves. <laughs> we and were just, you know, like studying to make sure that we really yeah. understood the concept. <laughs> yeah. Just we really, we, we really went deep with it. We really yeah. did. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. So the one cool thing, can I move on? Yeah, yeah let's I, do the I, one I, cool I, thing because I think it is cool. All right. Well, the one cool thing that I want to bring up is an app that I use in Spirit quite a bit. And Sam, I know you use it because mm -hmm. you told me. And it's an app called Voxer. V as in Victor, O-X-E-R. Oh, Luke is jumping in. Anyway, mm -hmm. this is a great way to communicate to remote teams. Do you know how when you call people, like, Nobody hardly does this anymore. But when you call people, but you don't want them to answer the phone, you want it to go to voicemail, you don't mm -hmm. want to have a conversation. Voxer is great because you just can, you know, record a, a message and your thumbs are tired. You're just tired of texting. You can leave a message and communicate. The person on the other end gets a notification. You can also text. You can attach files. You can, you know, attach GIFs. GIFs, sorry. I know it's GIFs, but I still want to call it GIFs. All sorts of things. So if you've got a team that is spread out, um, this is a great, quick way to communicate. For us, it's really important to have communication as streamlined as possible because our clients are often on the other end of that and we don't want to build them more than, you know, we, we have to build them for communication time, whether that's email, text, phone calls, Zoom calls. Voxer cuts down on some of that billing for them. So it's just a great tool. I'm probably missing out some of the key functionality, but, um, but like that's it. what I love about this. It's yeah. so simple. It's so so simple. We, we use this in our business with our team. I also use it with my clients. So my private clients use this to send me a quick message that, and I just can get straight back to them. But with our team, it's set up so that everyone, you know, they check in with our project manager and say, hey, I'm online. They can at any time during the shift, we can get 
real-time answers or say to someone, hey, can you just look at this? I really love it. Really love Voxel. I like it So too. simple. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you use it, Sam. I wasn't, you know, completely out in left field. Um, look at Luke. Luke says um, that he definitely suffered and continues to suffer from imposter syndrome. It's a real struggle, struggle, struggle. I can't even talk. It's a real <laughs> struggle. Oh my God. It's a real struggle. What helps him is to continue to remind himself of all the people he's been able to help. Oh, mm. wow, Luke, what do you do? I'd love to know. He, uh -huh. he uh, has a podcast and a platform for tile contracting. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow, what a install tile. Yeah, yeah. I need, wow. I need he help. He is killing it. Oh, my gosh. I wish he lived. I don't know where he lives. I was like, I wish he lived closer. He could be my neighbor for all I know. I was going to say he might live over the road. You don't actually know. <laughs> he, um, he's living in the basement, Jen. He's been there for six months. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting ready to do redo our master bath. So Ooh. we've been talking about tiling quite a bit. So. Yeah, no. Well, I wish Starting you. Uh, times. It's so, so times. exciting, so exciting. That's we have awesome. a we have a, t a master bath is really. I need to rename the master bath the master bath because it's like when you see her master bath, you think big luxurious oh. bathroom. Oh my gosh, our bathroom is so tiny. There's nothing master about it. Our our bathroom, <laughs> our master bathroom is tiny too. It's okay, Jen. So tiny. Got, my, Melissa wants that. To, the first thing we change when we become millionaires is that bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, you don't even need to be a millionaire to do it, Joe. Just just a uh, hint. Uh, oh. Don't tell her. Don't tell her that. Don't I, I'm on Melissa's side on. for this one. <laughs> Hold on. Luke, Luke is trying to help me with my bathroom remodel here, guys. Uh, <laughs> right. Hold on. Um, Luke, yes. I am in Northern Virginia, Fairfax, Virginia. Virginia. I'd give you the address, but I don't want you to feel pressure to be a pen pal. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm in, I'll give you my zip code 22031. It's a tiny bathroom. Yeah. Wow, you can come visit DC. You can visit DC and like do do our bathroom. I mean, uh, yeah. If you, hey, I'd come down to DC and uh, cool and city. I'd love to meet Luke. Um, <laughs> And anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. Am I, am I, I think with that said, <laughs> I think with that said, I think we're I think we're good to wrap up here, done. right? I think <laughs> we, we're done. We I guess. Done. I don't know. I, I, are, are you guys ending early so you can kick me off the podcast? <laughs> We would never do that, no. Jen. We would never no. do you're that. You're not gonna. You're not gonna tell them on on Facebook Live. <laughs> no. That's just my my imposter syndrome. <laughs> okay. No, we love you, Jen. I love you guys too. Yes, Thanks. Thank you for tuning in, Luke and Tiffany, and I'm probably missing somebody. Uh, I'm slow on the scroll. Brent. Uh, Brent. Brent. Brent was in there as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Thank you, everybody, for watching. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business Geeks podcast, share it with the business geek in your life. Send us your questions and suggestions at questions at businessgeekspodcast.com. Catch us next Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time or Tuesday or end Tuesday, 7 a.m. Australia. That will never get weird. That will never end being weird saying. Catch us on Monday and Tuesday. And Tuesday at 7 <laughs> a.m. Australian time. Eastern Time. And it's the same. So uh, weird to say that. So I apologize for, well, for tripping. We're an international show. What can I say? We, exactly. We exactly. Are. I did we my are. Instagram story this morning with the sun coming up and it's the sun that. going down your side of the world soon. Storm is coming in right now. That's for sure. Yeah, stay um, safe. Yes, yes, stay yes. Safe stay, stay safe. Have a great week, and we will see you next Monday at 
but 5 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Don't try it again. Don't try it again. <laughs>